0: morning friends it's good to be here with you today and thank you Martin for the invitation I'm going. oh you're going okay <laughs> that's absolutely fine I've always wanted to be the superintendent here <laughs> <laughs> friends as you listen to those two we re- always oh, back oh oh never mind uh, as you listen to those two readings that are kind of difficult to grasp and Some heavy stuff in. So let's pray and ask God to open his word with us. Gracious and loving God, may the written word and the spoken word be the living word in our hearts and our lives this day. In the name of Christ, amen. Friends, I had a pretty tough upbringing. I had four sisters and three brothers. And I was the younger one with my twin sister, and she's nothing like me before before you ask. And as you can imagine, some days to have those number of siblings would have been a great joy and a lot of fun. Other days, it would have been a complete nightmare, I can assure you. All battling to be the, the favourite son or daughter one christmas there wasn't much money in our house one christmas i was brought a big box of those plastic bricks in those days you would just get one or two christmas presents uh i always got a chocolate orange Yep. yeah i can see you like those as well chocolate orange and then perhaps one or two because if you've got eight children to buy for at christmas and there ain't much money around you do have to be sparse in what you get, don't you? But I was always happy with this box of bricks. And for me, there was nothing more fun than just to sit there and build things. I didn't know what I was particularly building, but just to sit there and play with them. And I would, be long, I would begin to build with the largest and the longest bro- blocks first, setting up what I would now know of foundations and imagining a towering structure. I thought everything I built was the best thing since sliced bread. I'm sure others thought different. And I'm I'm honest, thankfully, my mother would just play along with me and say, yes, Nigel, that looks really nice. And she would encourage me. Looking back, I suspect she was probably just humoring me, but that's what parents do quite often. Encouragement, she might have called it. But of course, this is where the toughness comes in, of being such part of a large family. Someone within the family, usually my older sister, would come and think it was funny and just knock it down. Yeah, thank you. Can we have a bit of louder as ours, please? And so my brilliant creation, what I thought it was, never stood for that long. Ultimately, one brick was left upon another. Just for a moment, think back to your childhood. And perhaps when you went to the beach... And there you were building this fantastic sandcastle. You did the same thing at the same place every single summer. And you molded it into the way that you wanted it. And if the tide then didn't come and wash it away, someone would just come and kick it down for you. It may have been part of the family. It may have just been someone walking past. Who knows? Friends, besides those verses from Jesus in Luke about the end times, we hear the great verses in Isaiah that God is about to create new heavens and new earth. I think the Christian church likes to talk about new things being made new. We like to think by talking about it enough, maybe that actually will believe it will happen. And in that call to worship, which Martin led earlier in our service, in that psalm, we hear sing to the Lord a new song. All things are being made new. Isaiah proclaims in another place. Phrases that perhaps conjure up images of freshness and vitality. But however... Sometimes we delude ourselves, if we're honest, that that's what we really want. You and I, many of you, have been around the church a long time. And let me remind you of something. In the church, we generally don't like new things. Why? Perhaps because new things so often become battlegrounds for church political life. It would be fine if the church stuck with replacing those things that we wanted to be replaced. Perhaps always the something that we want to be made new with a lick of paint. We want the preacher to preach something new. Sometimes we just want an entire new minister. How often? That wasn't... <laughs> we love you. <laughs> However, often when the chips are down, we do say to ourselves, if we're honest, the old tower just suits us fine. Maybe better the devil we know. I think this passage, these words in this scripture, all things made new, is one of the most unsettling and downright controversial themes within the church. It's an image that we may want to think we had some time ago, it's an image more often than not that prevents us from experiencing God, the image that we conjure up within ourselves, that special image of church and perhaps what religion means to us friend of mine once put it this way he said and asked the question do you know what prevents you from experiencing God the most I want to suggest the biggest obstacle in the way of us experiencing God is whatever our last experience of God was our last experience whether it was wonderful and refreshing and renewing that we inevitably believe that every future experience will be exactly like that. And we're kind of disappointed when it's not, aren't we? Yes, all things are being made new all the time if we're watching. All of us, no matter how old we are, all of us have great buildings physical or imaginary around us that will ultimately fall. And we don't like that image. We certainly don't like and we don't plan for it. But ultimately we know our buildings will fail for one reason or another. And if we move on to that gospel reading of the destruction of the temple... That's how Jesus reacted when his disciples were admiring the grandeur of the great temple in 1st century Jerusalem. And apparently it was indeed a tremendous structure and a symbol of God's greatness and glory. But Jesus knew that one day it would fall. He could not say for sure when that would be, but he knew it would be a disastrous event. An awful event. It would seem like the end of the world itself. It would seem like everything his people had ever worked for would have just disappeared and gone. However, however, Jesus knew that the temple's destruction would not mean the end of God's creation. It would not mean the end of salvation. And so he urged the people to bear suffering with hope and patience. A lesson for us all, as we look at our world, as we look within our own lives, because all of us go through some pain and suffering. All of us may go through destruction and the tearing of down of things in our lives. All of us even go through death. But the good news of the gospel is that that's not the end. As we will remember as we come around this table of grace this morning. Yes, Christ died, but it wasn't the end. He was resurrected, and God's creative power began again. When my boyhood castles fell down, I realized that my great joy was actually in the building, in the laying out, and the construction, in the realization of the completed project. Of course, as a five-year-old, I didn't realize it then. But as you look back, For me though the real joy of setting about that construction, what fun it is to build, the fun of creation is just that, it's in the creating and not the admiring. And of course many of us gather in beautiful structures as we do today, look at this great building dedicated to the glory of God. And yes, sometimes there are churches like this, but sometimes there are other temples of our lives, families, projects, which they're usually wonderful to look at. As we sit here in this building dedicated to the glory of God, remember that these are only but structures of whatever sort. They're not the ultimate focus of our lives. Just as buildings or as we call them churches should not be the ultimate, be the focus in our Christian worship. Because Jesus was very clear later in his ministry that when the temple was destroyed he would build it up again in three days. And of course, that's a puzzle to the disciples until they realized he was talking about the temple himself, his body, his very identity. And when we gather in worship and share in communion, we touch something greater than a building or a structure which is greater is Jesus Christ himself. Friends, in the Christian church, we believe that God is actually building a greater temple than our churches and our cathedrals and our structures. God is growing the body of Christ. And when we ask, where is Jesus today? Our answer becomes, the body of Christ is actually us. The body of Christ is actually us. The body of Christ is really the church, us, the community of believers, the worshippers, and the servers, the people and the relationships. Are the critical elements not the literal stones but the living stones i don't know if you come to church on a sunday to worship and think this is going to be fun anybody yeah yeah put your hand up if you've come this morning and thought this is going to be a really good day and fun okay not many of you okay (laughs) but i think church is fun I think the fun part of church is not sitting around admiring this absolutely gorgeous building and how pretty it looks or how good we feel. The fun part of church, folks, is in the building up of the body of Christ. It's listening to each other's stories and sharing with each other. That's the fun part of church, building up the body of Christ. And yeah, I'm sure that God enjoys our physical buildings and our cathedrals and our temples and whatever projects of sorts. But I believe that God loves to build up the people and the relationships within the body of Christ. God gets excited in our learning and in our serving, in our hugging and in our crying and in our laughing together. God is creating with us and having fun with us. God is building us into a living temple. Yes, the literal stones, as we know, will be thrown down. In some way or another, at some time or another. But the spiritual stones will endure. And sometimes that means transition. Sometimes it does mean singing a new song to the Lord. And sometimes change hurts. But there are signs that the kingdom of God is near. As a Methodist minister, and as I travel around the district, and the connection. Some people will ask, why does the Christian church exist? Whoa, discuss. Why does the Christian church exist? Well, I think the simple reason, and probably an easy reason, is I give that answer that it's meant to teach us how to change gracefully as the body of Christ. At its best, the church pronounces blessings and grace during those moments of change in our own lives, in painful times and the joyous times. It's best, at its best, then, the church should be teaching us how to change gracefully, even when changes in the church can be occasions for our learning grace. title, perhaps I should have put a question mark behind it, perhaps I don't know, all will be thrown down, yes, and sometimes we can see signs of that uproar all too quickly as we see in our gospel reading, but the good news friends it will not be the end god will be in the change god will be providing grace even in that change and all things will be made new we don't have to wait for the end times there can be new life as we come together on this day (coughs) as we open our hands and receive the bread and wine, freely given. There can be new day, a new day each day of our lives. And yes, there can be judgment each day of our lives. God calls both these events the same thing. A new opportunity to know the love of God and know that God loves us, whoever we are. If there is an ending each day, there is also a new life each day. If there are things to be thrown down, there are also things ready to be built up. Today, my friends, is a new opportunity to love, and be held in God's grace so that we can be built up as the body of Christ. Amen. And so we stand as we prepare to pray for our church and our world for the healing of the nations. Lord, we pray with one accord.